When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Going home, look out. Lippitt's going home. He stole it. Blake Reese stole home. Oh, my, oh, my. The Gators have just stolen a run. I'm a big fan of Eddie Perez, Eduardo Perez, and uh, what was that, Dari Nova or whatever. What the hell is that guy? Dari Noka. Yeah, he was doing the play-by-play. I don't know. Did you guys see the Did anybody watching it live except me? No, I did not see it live. Okay, Florida and Auburn having a hell of a game. Uh, Auburn's leading them 2-1. to one. Guy's on first. Another guy's on third. Uh, two outs. Two outs. They have one of their better hitters up. And the guy, uh, the guy at first takes off, run, and the the I think the pitcher was a lefty. Was he lefty? Yeah, he was le- I think he was lefty. Maybe I think, not. I think he was a lefty, lefty. Yeah. And when he gets thirty feet off the bag, he falls down. He gets he intentionally falls down. He didn't do that good a job of falling down to make it look accidental. <laughs> but in the haste of the moment, meanwhile, the guy is running off third. He's not waiting. He's they he took they, off as soon as the throw was the, made. They do the first base no before the throw. There okay. was never the guy's still waiting to throw the ball. The guy falls down, and that puts his entire focus of his attention on the pitcher, on the guy laying on the ground, trying to decide what to do. And he's probably got guys screaming at him, "Home, home, home!" By the time he turns around, the guy's safe, sliding home. Clean steal of home, 2-2. Uh, but the, uh, it, you know, you can't, a pitcher can't fake out a runner, but a runner can fake out oh, a pitcher. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, he, and, and he fell down. This is now going to be the most copied play in base, in Little League and Babe Ruth and everything else. This would be the most copied play. Obviously but in it was, high school, too. It was... Uh, it was slick as can be, man. By the time the guy turned around to look at the the runner, the guy was sliding basically already. Well, and no you chance. wonder too, you know, because when I saw that, we'll see it occasionally in various formats, I guess, around here and whatnot. But I always wondered why that's not tried more in Major League Baseball because this the attempt of the steal alone is way down compared to where it used well, to yeah, be. Don't you think? They, yeah, they they they're waiting to hit a home run, but. No, I think the what's going on is, uh, you know, a major league pitcher is very unlikely to react like this kid did. You True. Know, if this if this guy had stepped off, the guy running home's out by thirty feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he did not. He the fall down put all his focus 
the fact that the guy was running off first and then fell down took all the guy's focus off it. It was it was a fantastic. Uh, it was a fantastic. And it wouldn't uh, have worked had it not drunk. been a left-handed pitcher. Mm, yeah, right. I think. Yeah, yeah. He's got to see the whole the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think it was a left. And let me. See. I think. It, I think it was a left. Yeah, it was a complete panic panic job. They're still waiting, and and I gotta say. They did not do much of a job of telling us about the fall down, at least initially, that that what had gone into making it so successful. I think maybe those guys all of a sudden their focus went to the guy running home from third and didn't didn't watch the whole thing. But the guy falling down off first was uh, was quite the thing. And Florida ends up winning it uh, in uh, ten or eleven innings, three to two. But uh, the uh, it was it was a play that uh, was worth uh, worth uh, mentioning, and that's for sure. It was uh, something I've never seen before, at least that way. The other deception story that's floating around. I first saw this yesterday. It's gained a little more momentum today. Uh, the the uh, Bob Baffert has justify, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He also started a horse called. Restoring hope, and a horse that really had no chance and really no business in the field. And I was in the car listening to the build-up to the race on Saturday, mm-hmm. and they were trying to say, "Well, what if this restoring hope were to do something to harm Broad Justify's chances?" That they they were questioning him having in there. Well, the story now is. That they kind of used him as a as a blocking back, <laughs> and uh, he he took off and helped get justify a nice clean break to get to the front. Uh, one of the uh, one of the rival trainers said that uh, he he you know he thought it was a wedge blocker. He was uh, very upset that uh, re- restoring hope basically. Uh, and Pat Forty just wrote a column on it too, and apparently Pat Forty. Uh, who's you know college best basketball for college basketball, yeah. but he's a former Louisville sports columnist, so he's okay, big on so horse racing. Okay. He used to write a month of Kentucky Derby. You know, after 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 Kentucky either won or lost the national basketball tournament or Louisville, he'd he'd spend a lot of time. So he knows his racing, and he noticed it on the tape right away, and asked Baffert about it. And Baffert, of course, uh, pled innocent. There's nothing really against it, but it's uh, kind of uh, it was uh, it's it's kind of uh, become a big controversy that restoring hope had no business being in the field and was used. He he took off on the outside and then he kind of drifted in and blocked a couple of horses that were starting to make that were trying to make an early run at uh, just. So then answer me this because if. Was he qualified to be in that particular race? And if well, not, then how did he race, get entrance? In this race, in the Derby, they have more than 20 trying to enter, right? Mm-hmm. So and there's and only, only put 20. And that, there was 10 in the Belmont? Twenty. Yeah, there's only 10. If you pay the fee, and they, I mean, they're not going to let some claimer from Canterbury in there. But, the, the yeah, he had some pedigree, and he, you know, he could run. But he was not a contender in any way. But that's uh, that's a story that, uh, as Forty says, there's nothing illegal about it. But it's another thing that uh, you know that uh, he says. Uh, basically, he says 
That that allowed Justify a trouble-free start from the number one post and a smooth trip into the first turn, establishing himself in his customary front-running position and then rolling wire to wire for the historic uh, victory. And he's pointing out, he says, it's it's uh, under the current rules of the sport, using one horse as a blocker for another is simply smart racing strategy, but it could further corrode the already rusty credibility of the sport. And it's of course, doesn't look good for Justify. After watching Justify against those other horses, I don't think he needed that. No, but, he didn't. But this was security that uh, Baffert used. So uh, that's it. We got two big controversies. We got the 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 fake fall down for the double steal in the Florida Auburn game, and then we have uh, this this thing that is being written about more and more. Justify uh, getting a little help from restoring hope, and Baffert comes across as the gentleman of gentlemen's with the white, the gentleman of gentlemen mm-hmm. with the white hair and the whole thing, but. Uh, he can be sneaky, too, apparently. Well, because there's got to be a lot more money at stake for him, guaranteeing a triple crown for you know, profit well, he, down he, the road. He, I mean, this you know, the, some of these horses could have still ran him down if Justify didn't run such a great race, if Mike Smith didn't do great, such a great job. But the fact of the matter is he put Restoring Hope in the field to help Justify. That's sure. the only reason. Though. There was no chance this horse was going to win no. or show or place. So, anyway... That's uh, I like trickery. We like trickeration, don't we? Creativity. In, uh, sports, yeah, creativity. Uh, yeah, I, this should not probably. By the way, Justify, I mentioned this yesterday. He weighed 200 pounds more than Secretary. Wow. Secretariat. Jeez. He weighs over 1,300 pounds. He's a monster. What a lard ass. And you know what? <laughs> I, I heard something else. I didn't realize this. A horse like him will lose 80 to 100 pounds running that race. Come on. No. 80 to 100 pounds running that race. Wow. Wow. Because of all the water. You know. You know what it is? Metafast. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they got to. And that's one reason people wonder about a horse who runs three times in five weeks, because they got to try to get the weight back on them to make them as strong as they ever are. That's. I heard that, too, or. 60, 80, but as big as he is, he might, might lose as much as 100 pounds. Yes, it is. Yikes. So what I should do yes. is yeah. get out there and run a mile and a half real fast. We'll strap a harness shape. on you. Yeah, right. Yeah, get one of the get one of the grandkids to ride on my back and I'll <laughs> run around the track. I'll load you up with Lasix. <laughs> yeah, right. And then we'll have to bring out the barrier to put you out of your misery <laughs> so the neighbors right. don't have yeah, to watch us yeah, shoot you. put up the screen up there and shoot. Yeah. They've shot Ricey. We'll be back. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day... The bodies of Simpson's ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and Ronald Goldman were discovered early Monday morning. Later, a police forensics team began a search of the crime scene and O.J. Simpson's home. Investigators removed several pieces of evidence from both properties. A blood-soaked glove, according to the Los Angeles Times, found at O.J. Simpson's home and believed used during the killings. June 12, 1994, the uh, bodies of uh, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman uh, were found murdered at Nicole's home, outside Nicole's home in Brentwood, California. Uh, And I was trying to recall, that was a Sunday. And the 
the Bronco chase was not until Friday, right? I think it was not until Friday. Yeah, because uh, it was like the 16th, 16th or something, 16th or 17th, 17th or something like that. Uh, so I was trying to remember, and Manny, you were only 10 years old, so you probably yeah. don't remember. Chris, how long before we started to think OJ might have done it? Was that, it took a while, right? It did, it, it did. I take mean, it was, a while, and because it was just such a different era, there wasn't yes. Twitter and yeah. everything else, but... I remember a few days in that there, the the there news were, reports were wondering. They were, started they were giving, to speculate. They certainly weren't naming him, but they were. Uh, or they, I guess, they were saying. And then, then there was the whole thing of OJ was in Chicago and he yeah. flew back. That was the the first that he'd been in Chicago, mm-hmm. so it couldn't have been him. Was the first storyline because somebody had called him at. The, Somebody had called him to tell him that they had found... Yeah, right, in Chicago, and he yeah. was distraught and the, and the whole deal. Uh, but it might have been Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday, early Thursday, we started hearing hints that maybe maybe O.J. was the guy. And then, of course, the, uh, the Bronco chase, and I believe it was on the 17th. Uh, I think it was on Friday, because I... No, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, it was on Friday, because I was in New York covering the, uh, going to cover the World Cup opener, Ireland and Italy. They had two of it. Jerry Zagoda was doing some of it, and I was doing some of it. I went the four games. But the opener was Ireland and Italy at Giant Stadium mm-hmm. in the Meadowlands. And, of course, I remember being on the, I was staying at the Grand Hyatt and being in there and turning on the TV, and 12 channels had the Bronco chase. You know, the, it wasn't really a chase. It was just a drive mm-hmm. with yeah. Al Collins driving him and trying to get him. But, I mean, I get, I guess by Thursday we thought he was going to be arrested. I, I, I think by a day earlier we thought that 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 he was going to be arrested and then, then he took off. Because they but, had said, they had said that he was going to be asked to turn himself in. Yes. Right. And yes, then he didn't, yeah. when he didn't show up, that's when yeah, everybody was yeah. like, okay, he's in the wind. And, and, uh, yeah, we were thinking that he went to New Mexico. I mean, to, uh, not to, to South America or someplace, but I, what, what I remember is, so the next day I'm out in the parking lot talking to the Irishmen who were getting ready for this soccer game, which is the biggest event of their life. Right. Because mm-hmm. Ireland is not a, they aren't a world cup regular, you know, they get their, some of the time, kind of like us, but uh, they—I'm uh, talking to these well lubricated Irishmen out in the parking lot, and they're saying, "You have the worst telly in the world in America." In their Irish accents, that's not a very good Irish accent. They, every channel, all you have is that guy in the white trolley driving around. <laughs> all you have is the white trolley, and every channel. And I said, well, you know, he's a rather very famous uh, American sports guy who uh, is now accused of killing his ex-wife and this other guy in brutal fashion. They said, okay, but why does it have to be on every channel? We want to know about the World Cup. What does America think of the World Cup? <laughs> it was, uh, it was, uh, it was amazing, though. And Mrs. Ricey, uh she was. I think she was, uh, she had a lot of free, she was starting to get a lot of free time. She became one of the world's leading experts on the OJ trial. Does not miss a minute. Yeah. She was 
focused in like a laser. And in fact, when when we were uh, watching the the thirty for thirty, how many parts was it? Three up, three parts. Ah, uh, like five, five parts, five parts. Yeah, which are fantastic. That was brilliant. And and every. 20 minutes, I'd say, I don't know that. And she'd say, I know that. <laughs> the only one she didn't know was when our guy, uh, Carl Douglas, the, the Johnny Cochran's mm-hmm. right-hand man, mm-hmm. who I want to be my criminal defense attorney, the thing about the staircase when they... When they Changed went, all the photos. Took down all the OJ's photos of, of O.J. playing golf with white people and turned Martin Luther King and had all these... Uh, Martin Luther King and all these... Uh, all these photos and uh, Carl Douglas's great quote was, "If it had been a Hispanic jury, we would have had a mariachi band at the top of the <laughs> steps." It was, I mean, years later, it was it was kind of funny, but uh, the, the the whole thing, of course, was not. But it's it it uh, it it was, and I was talking down the hall uh, t- today with Amy Daniels. It was the start of reality TV. Yes, it was in yeah. America. It started reality TV. The, the only thing I remember was being only 10 years old at the time. The only mm-hmm. thing I remember was I was watching game five in the 94 finals mm-hmm. during the Bronco chase, chase. And, and Bob Costas broke in for NBC at halftime mm-hmm. and was just like, yeah, OJ Simpson's in this Bronco and yeah. they're trying to apprehend him and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And so that game was that early, huh? That game was, uh, well, was, cause I think it was, was in the, it in was, the, it was well, in they the evening. Kept driving in LA, but he was driving, I guess when I got it was in the early I evening. I had been someplace that Friday doing some soccer stuff, and and when I got back, it was it was going on, and it might have been five o'clock in New York or something like that. So maybe it was maybe it but was it Saturday for hours. So it, may, it might have been Saturday then, because it might have been no. like an earlier tip off or something. And of course, no, no, it was it was Friday because Saturday? Saturday was the first game of the World Cup. We okay. never would have gotten this moment either. And there's Charles Woodson. How about that? And what a season he had. <laughs> Right, Manny. He became the first defensive player to win the Heisman Trophy. And congratulations, Charles. That is something that no one can ever take away from you. Unless you kill your wife in a waiter. In which case... <laughs> the last annual appearance by Norm MacDonald. And is Ken Griffey Jr. going, oh my God. I cannot <laughs> believe he just said that. <laughs> and, of course... That was what the first ESPY, so that's ninety six or something, something like that. It's only a couple of years removed. Or ninety seven, because yeah, because Woodson won the Heisman oh, in ninety seven. Right, yeah. yeah. Okay, so the so it might have been it later, but the trial, the hell, the trial. When did we get a verdict? Was well uh, in ninety six because yeah, I was in right. the sixth grade. Yeah, ninety six. Yeah, something so. they can never take away from you. Oh man, it was uh, it was quite an American event, that is for sure. And on uh, we found them. I, re- I remember the absolute confusion and that, okay, poor OJ. The first reaction is, oh, poor OJ. I know he's divorced, but this has got to really be affecting him because he had a reputation as a, you know. Well, he was a Hollywood movie star. He was Nordberg, yes. for God's sakes. He was Nordberg. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. All right, and uh, where is he now? Is he? Uh, where's he? I think he's out. He's out. He's in Florida. Oh, Florida. I thought he was in Florida. Florida. Yeah, he's chubby too, man. You got to get him. Yeah, he's in, you know, if you're in prison, why not get yourself in shape, man? What the hell? Got else nothing you else got to, to do. do? Yeah. yeah, get in shape. All right, we'll be back.
message. Johnny Height, the uh, Hollis Kabner, has uh, told us there's going to be a press conference Monday. Oh. Uh, no revelation yet if it's official word that a PGA Tour event is yeah. coming. But that sounds promising, though. That would be the guess, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that's, uh, but nobody's, uh, nobody's uh, confirmed it as of yet. Hmm. Uh, this update sponsored by KFC. This summer, get a KFC Extra Crispy $20 fill-up. Meal includes eight pieces of Extra Crispy Chicken, plus all the fixins. This offer is not everywhere, not forever. Prices may vary. Tax and substitutions apply. Uh, twins uh, playing a game tonight. They had yesterday off, of course. They're opening up a three-game series against the Tigers in Detroit. Jake Odorizzi pitches for the Twins. Lefty Blaine Hardy will go for the Tigers. Twins with a roster move before the game today. They're bringing back right-handed reliever Matt Belisle. He pitched for him last year, you might remember. Signed with Cleveland, though, uh, as a minor uh, minor league contract during the offseason. Did pitch for them, but was sent down in early May. Was pitching at AAA Columbus and was released by the team yesterday. I think this is a commentary on the way my guy Presley's pitched lately. I think so. They, well, it's they, they also the wanna... fact that he's going to pitch in 100 games if they keep this up. Yeah, well, he's... He man, hasn't he's been good, though, I agree. Pitch selection is awful. It How did... about this tweet from Murph, by the way, on Matt Belisle. Murph's covering the boys in mm-hmm. Detroit. Matt Belisle was staying in an extended stay America in AAA Columbus after the Indians released him. Packed up his pickup for the three-and-a-half-hour drive to the Minnesota Twins Hotel in Detroit Monday night. He says, quote, I got a good sleep and I'm ready to go. We'll figure out how to get my truck back. (laughs) That's pretty good. He is a good dude. Yeah. Uh, To make room, the Twins designated infielder Gregorio Petit for assignment. Uh, That bullpen, uh, speaking of you guys bringing it up, isn't it a little overworked? I keep seeing the number of appearances. It's not, but it's their starters have not have been better. You know, it's yeah, not like true. guys are giving them three and a third too often. You're saying I, bigger pitching staff, John? You want yeah, 14? Let's, let's go with 14. Okay. What the 15, hell? 16 pitchers. Go for it. <laughs> Minnesota United news tonight on this station. The Adrian Heath Show as the coach gives you the latest info. It's at 6 we're o'clock. We're on a break. We're on a, we're yeah. on a World Cup break. Yep. Uh, it's at six o'clock tonight, right after the ride, right here at fifteen hundred ES. We got to uh, we got to do a World Cup uh, preview here, pretty yes. soon, don't we? Who we uh, we have to get Brucey McGuire in there, uh, Brucey McGuire. You know that Bruce, uh, in the past, has taken his uh, three week vacation to watch all of the World Cup matches. No, no. Oh, wow. Uh, he's a sick human being. But, uh, a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> Point guard Terrell Terry, who averaged 17 points and seven assists at De La Salle, as a junior, announced he uh, will not be attending the University of Minnesota. He's going to Stanford. He'll never get a job in this town. I was just going to ask, is, uh, never what, what does Sid think? Is nope, he happy nope. about it or not? not Tw- sure. 2019 four-star prospect had considered Baylor, Indiana, Minnesota, and Xavier, among others. Let's see. You can get a free education mm-hmm. at Stanford mm-hmm. and live in California in the winter. <laughs> Terry announced his commitment in a Twitter video. That is uh, two D guys that have gone out there. Mm-hmm. Reed Travis. Did he ever officially... Uh, Go to Kentucky, or is it still out no, there? No, I think he transferred, didn't he? I think he is. Tra- I think he, he did, is going he to did transfer. Announce, yeah. but, I mean, that was what all the stories were. But I think so. Maybe he's still. I don't know if he's made it official or something. Yeah. Some uh, golf happenings at the Girls State Tournament. Uh, all right, we're, we're setting records today. Really good. Uh, Red Wing junior Leah Herzog shot a Girls State Tournament record six under par sixty six in the opening round of the Class Two A meet at 66. Ridges Six at Sand Creek in Jordan. Well. That's not the story. The story is her record lasted about 15 minutes. Wow. Classmate Sophia Yeomans uh, shot a nine under par 63 
That uh, I, it looks like uh, Red Wings in good shape for winning the team title. Then, huh? <laughs> I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boys' all-time record is also a nine under uh, a par sixty-three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeoman shared the Class Three A state tournament individual title with Joanna Kim of Edina last year. Mm-hmm. Wingers dropped down to Class Two A this season after moving up and playing in Class Three A the previous two years. Wow, Herzog is how's that Herzog spelled? O G. Uh, H-E-R-Z-O-G. Yeah, that's a famous Minnesota golf name. They're all related to some hmm. some degree. Whitey? They're all related to Whitey? Whitey. No, no, they're not Whitey. <laughs> Love that crowd. <laughs> Vikings' first day of mandatory minicamp. How'd you uh, like to be named Whitey? <laughs> hey, Whitey. <laughs> Jeez. Hey, yeah. saltine. Pesky guy. <laughs> Uh, first day of mandatory minicamp for the Vikings. Coach Mike Zimmer talked uh, with reporters afterwards. I listened to the whole thing. Nothing. It was absolutely nothing. nothing. All right. We got to run, Johnny. Okay. We got to talk to George Samus, who will be going for his 1,000th Independent League managerial victory this evening. George Samus, the uh, manager of the St. Paul Saints, is with us. And first of all... Congratulations to your Stetson Hatters for reaching a super regional, sir. Yeah, what a year they had, huh? They yeah. were um, close, what, one um, couple wins away from getting to the College World Series, but they did a great job, and I guess they had some good pitching, and um, I guess their best pitcher got drafted in the first round, 14th wow. pick by Seattle, so it's great year for them. Now, when you were down there 30 years ago, uh, were they playing? Were they a D1 school then? Yeah, back then we were one game away from going to the college. Oh, Florida. really? We lost in the, um, and we beat Florida State um, early in the day, and then we had to turn around and play Florida later in the day to beat them. And if we would have won that, we would have gone to the College World Series, but we lost out in that last game. How does a guy born in California end up in D-Land, Florida, playing baseball? I don't know. That's the way it worked out, man. <laughs> I, that's where my parents told me we're going, so that's where we went. Oh, okay. So you moved to Florida then, and you were in the neighborhood. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, George, uh, we were uh, we were hoping for number one thousand last night. Uh, left that runner at third base, but uh, go after it again tonight. That's a signal. Yeah, that's a yeah. I was hoping for it too, man. It was um, you know, it's and the thing is, it's tough because you know the last guy in the game, Brady Shoemaker, hit a laser right at the center fielder to end the game. <laughs> um, so it's it, it would have been nice to get it that way, um, you know, in a walk off fashion, but um, that's the way the game goes sometimes. That's a uh, sign of a guy who's been at it a long time, man. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's it's been a while, and I enjoy it. And um, it's probably taking a little bit too long, but you know, hopefully, we can get this done here tonight. And we're playing Fargo. That's it's a great rivalry with them, and always good games. And um, but you know what? We just need to go out and win this one tonight, and then we'll win a series tomorrow. George, I didn't realize that your last four years uh, in the uh, profession as a player were uh, last three and a half years anyway were spent in the independent leagues too. So you got some seniority in the independent baseball. Yeah, I've been around for a while. I mean, back when you saw me pitch with the Twins, I mean, as you know, back then I threw so slow. You know, I was the eighty-two mile an hour guy. It was yeah. so slow, and then after that, I got hurt, and it was even worse. So, um, <laughs> you know, it was it was tough after the after the two shoulder surgeries, and um, but yeah, I've been doing this for a long time, and it's um, you know, the independent ball has grown too. Yes. There are a lot of double AA, A, triple A guys with big league time in our league, and. And obviously playing for us, and obviously playing in, in this stadium we play in, the nicest one you'll ever see. 
Say, uh, George, uh, so in uh, in what's now 20 years of managing uh, in the independent league, what was the bur- worst bus trip? What was the bur- worst bus ride? Dude, um, <laughs> dude, we took one from, a, this is from St. Paul. We took it to Pensacola, Florida, and it was brutal. Man. <laughs> it was, um, you have those once in a while. Um, I think it was like 20-something hours. Um, and obviously when we left, we had a game that night. We left and had an off day the next day. Um, so when we got in, you know, we didn't have to play that day, but that was a long one, man. How about uh, what's your worst broken-down bus story from those 20 years? Or even as a minor leaguer, you had to have a few broken-down buses. Um, you know, I really don't remember the broken-down buses, but, um, <laughs> you know, sometimes there have been buses where the air conditions broke and, and you're on that bus for 10, 11 hours with no air conditioning. It's not fun. And the complaining, I'm sure, goes on when that happens. And and I'm probably one of them. So it's, it, that, that was a tough one when that, when that happened. Hey, George, you were in uh, California. In fact, in Visalia in 1990, 17-4, 183 innings, 304 ERA. Uh, and then a little later, you were in AA with Orlando. What uh, what's the hottest league uh, that you pitched in the California League in the dead of uh, winter, uh, dead of summer, or the uh, Florida, uh, the uh, Southern League? Well, the thing is, when I was in the California League that one year, um, I, mean, I was there all year, and that was hot, especially down in Palm Springs. I, I still remember playing down there in Palm Springs. It was 115 degrees, and it was <laughs> it was rough. When I was in Orlando, um, I pitched an opening day in, in Orlando, I believe, in, in 1991. And then somebody got hurt in triple. I think Nagel got hurt in triple A. Oh, okay, um, yeah. I got called up to triple A the next day. So I was in Portland. I was only in Orlando for one day, and then I went to Portland. So, um, so it was. Um, I've been all over, all over the country. Well, as a starter, man, you know what? I just remember George pitching for the Twins. Uh, Seventeen and four, ten and eight, ten and eight, thirteen and four. You were on the way, baby. You know, as a starter I, in the minors, I. I did a decent job. You know, I had some decent years. Um, but you know what? The Twins gave me a chance. And once you get to the big leagues, it's a lot different. And um, the hitters there, they're, they can swing it. They know what they're doing. And um, obviously it was a struggle for me that year in the big leagues. Um, but, you know, I guess there's a bunch of rookies out there that, you know, their first year they don't do too good. And um, But um, I remember, I think it was the same year, Eddie Guardado and I came up the same year. And, um you know, that was a difference. He went on to have a great career, and I got hurt, like, the next year, and it was it was never the same after that. Uh, 2003, you uh, took over the Saints here. How do you – what is the recruiting process? I suppose it's gotten even more competitive in independent baseball. How do you spend your – once the season's over, how do you spend your uh, winter uh, lining up players? You got, you got you some agent buddies who can contact you? How's it work? Absolutely. You know, for sure, that's half the fun, putting the team together. That's why I enjoy this job um, so much because you know, I get to put the team together in the off season, and um, it's just having contacts and you know, knowing agents and having good relationships with them. And, and every day you're, you're either on the phone or on the Internet you know, looking at the waiver wire and see guys that get released from AA, AAA, and, um, you know, and you try to get the best guys. And, and once the middle of March rolls around with all those releases, and it's really a scramble to get, to, you know, to get the, you know, to get the best guys. And um, we're fortunate enough to be in this beautiful stadium, so, so that helps. Um, I remember the last couple of years at Midway, it was kind of tough. Um, it was kind of tough to recruit the guys because, 
and the stadium beat down a little bit. And I had one guy tell me they wouldn't even call me back just because um, <laughs> there was no air conditioning in the clubhouse, and it was a, it was a rough place to be. Well, that's for sure. But uh, of course, the other part of it is now you got Tom Willemson here, and he's doing great for you. And uh, you probably pretty well know you won't have him till the finish line, right? Yeah, well, it's funny you say that. I mean, just just about an hour ago, um, one of our starting pitchers, Vinny Natoli, is, is is getting signed by a team in Mexico. He's going oh, really? to Saltillo in Mexico. Um, yeah, but Willie, he's been throwing really good, and I know there are people here to see him, especially tonight. Um, there are there are, there have been scouts all over um, to see him, but I know there are some here from Japan. Um, oh, really? And from whichever other major league clubs, they are here. Um, I've been told they're here, and he will definitely be in this game tonight in the ninth inning. Um, so it's it's legit 95 miles per hour, and he I mean, touched 96 the other day, and um, good breaking stuff. And it's a guy that um been in the big leagues for seven years, seven plus years, and uh, and you know what? He's a good dude to have. He's he's been around, and the way he acts, like you wouldn't even know he played in the big leagues that long because he has the right attitude and does it the right way, and. Again, that 95-mile-per-hour fastball, it's its impressive to see. And, uh, George, uh, of course, uh, you know, it, it hurts when you got to go get yourself a new closer, but it also helps when you're recruiting players when you're getting guys signed, too, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, you know what? And that's thats the way it goes in this league. its um, That's why they're playing, man. When they come looking for these guys and their job is to get to the big league, that's happened so many times with us, like with Brandon Kinsler and Caleb Thielbar and, you know, and so many other guys that we've lost during the season, but that's why they're playing. One hundred percent, it's a blow to us when we lose them during the season. Because um, when you lose a big Triple A guy like that during the season, it's not like there's too many of them sitting at home waiting for us to call them in the middle of the summer. You know, um, maybe in end of March there's guys available, but it's tough to replace a a triple-A big league closer here, you know, in the middle of summer. Uh, there are some, uh, you know, releases here at the end of the month, early July, when they sign some of these guys and uh, a couple of guys move up and jump around, but not a lot of them, right? Not a lot of double-A yeah. guys. Yeah, there's some, but, yeah, it's you. It's it's rough. It's tough to find um, guys at that level, you know. you, you may There may be a few triple-A guys that get released, but... Maybe at that time those guys get released. They're released for a reason. Maybe they've, you know, passed their prime, and it's maybe they don't throw 95 anymore. Maybe they're more down to 85, or like me at the end of my career around <laughs> 80. So you just you just never know what you're going to get, man. Hey George, uh, who's uh, who's new uh, this year? That's uh, pretty uh, danged exciting uh, offensively. I'll tell you what, our you know our second baseman Josh Allen. He's um, he was in the Frontier League last year, and this is the guy that came here, got off to a slow start. Um, we put him in the leadoff spot, and ever since then he has been he's been outstanding. He's been our best player, and he's made some spectacular plays at second base. Um, so it's 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 nice to have him, and it's good that he gets on base a bunch. And and Dante Bichette Jr. Um, he's swung the bat pretty well too, and he's played a decent third base, and he can catch a little bit as well. Um, and Justin O'Connor, our catcher, to me, I would I would put him up against anybody. This guy's as good a defensive catcher as I've ever seen in this league. Um, former first rounder, he's been in AAA, and um, so to me, those are three um, pretty impressive guys we have. Yeah, that's something when you get a, a first round kid, and uh, if they if they still are maintaining their enthusiasm, that's uh, probably pretty good. Is he that kind of kid? 
Okay. Absolutely. And you know what? Here's the thing, man. I've been doing this for it's my 20th year doing this. And a lot of people don't realize, you know, players come here. Some of them have the right attitude and some of them don't. Some guys just all they care about is getting their two hits and then going out after the game. Not this team. This team, you have the right guys. These guys care about winning. And, and even last night when we lost that game last night, you didn't hear a peep in the clubhouse because there were a lot of guys that were pretty pissed off about it, to be honest. And, um, and those are the kind of guys you want. You want the guys that care about winning. You know, you heard you play to win. You don't just play to play. And these guys play to win. And uh, you mentioned CHS Field again. Uh, it is an amazing uh, contrast to Midway. That probably helps maintain the good attitude too, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and you know what? This is four years here now, and it's like I love looking at it the same way today I did the first day. This is um, it's a beautiful place, and now that the weather's hopefully getting a little better, you know, we we had nine thousand people here the other night, and um, but we're hoping the eighty five hundreds, you know, from now on happen and. As long as the weather's good, that's what's going to happen. Well, uh, George, uh, good luck tonight, and uh, and uh, for this season, I know last year you lost a whole bunch of guys at the end, and uh, things uh, didn't go as well. But uh, beyond that, you've had great seasons in CHS Field, so uh, this looks like well, it's well, going to be another so one. All right, George. Yeah, thank you so much. I'll be talking to you guys. Okay. All right, George Samus, the uh, manager of the St. Paul Saints. He's been there since two thousand three. One of the great characters of all time and a serious baseball man. First uh, came, I was looking at his playing schedule, and he first started in the independent leagues uh, with, uh, I think it was Meridian. And in, yeah, he, he actually, Mohawk Valley in the late part of the 1995 season. He must have gotten released out of double A by Seattle. In the Wohawk Valley, 1995. So he can tell you, you know what? George should write a book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Pat, I did not realize Dante Bichette Jr. was playing yes, for them this yes, year. Yeah, yes, he must have yes. just signed with them this year, right? Yeah, yeah. he got. Uh, he was in spring training with some club because they were writing about it, and he was supposed mm-hmm. to be a prospect, but he, he must have got uh, released and uh, signed by them. But uh, anyway, uh, Saints uh, home tonight. And then uh, home tomorrow afternoon, they get a little road trip, and they'll be back uh, later on. And this is about the time they start packing them in over there. We'll uh, be back. This is The Ride with Racy.